Thank you so much. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to church. I am so glad you're here. I don't know if I've told you lately how much I love you, but I am so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, hey, welcome to church online. You're sitting there in your underwear and finding Jesus in the process. It's so weird, but we're glad you could join us. High Ridge family, would you welcome in all of our friends watching online? We love you. We miss you. For those of you that are sick, for those of you that are in quarantine and lockdown, those of you who have been exposed, hey, I, I understand. I get it. And we love you. We miss you. We can't wait for you to join us. We're praying for health and strength, for favor, for healing to be yours right now in Jesus' name. We're believing that God is doing great things as you're watching this today. So we're believing for, for great things for you from the Lord. Grab your Bible if you would. Turn anywhere that you want. I'll be by there in just a few moments and we'll get you, we'll find you on the way. That's a joke. It's okay to laugh in church. It's okay. No, actually, Philippians chapter three was where we're going. We're starting a brand new series today called Unsubscribe. Somebody say unsubscribe. unsubscribe. Come on, you can do better than that. Unsubscribe. unsubscribe. And you know the feeling when you unsubscribe from something. It feels like, I don't know, to me it feels like life makes sense. Like you have a little bit of your life under control when you can unsubscribe to something that perhaps you didn't even know that you signed up for. To unsubscribe means to cancel a subscription to a previously desired service, something that we thought would be good for us in one season that perhaps in the next season you're like, ah, not so much. I didn't realize that 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 subscription was gonna come along with all this junk. You ever subscribe to something and then like three days later you get bombarded with all this junk because you subscribe to one thing? Okay, I wanna talk today about spiritually unsubscribing from things that you thought you needed in one season that you realize later on you didn't quite need. There are things that we do in the spirit that we think are really beneficial towards us, and then later on we realize, maybe not so much. Now, when I was in college, I'm going to date myself a little bit, um, there, there was something that came along that all of us subscribed to, and if you're a person that has a little bit more salt than you do pepper, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we, so, <laughs> we all did it. We all subscribed to the BMG Music Club because they would give you 12 CDs for a penny. Now, am I the only per- now, I'm not the only person that subscribed to this. Some of you are like, what in the world is a CD? Okay, as- <laughs> it's like Spotify, but really, really limited and on a, on a shiny disc. I'll explain what a disc is later. Um, and we would put those CDs into our car, and then you'd drive around and hear great music for about 15 minutes until you hit a bump, then it would scratch it, and then you'd never be able to listen to quality music again because it would always skip. And some of you are like, what is a CD? Ask somebody with some gray in their beard. Ask them, they'll explain it to you, we'll catch you up. Uh, But we all subscribe to the BMG Music Club because they would give you 12 CDs for a penny. Now, if you read the fine print, you didn't realize until later on that about that next month, that 13th CD was gonna cost you about $35. And they were gonna keep sending you another one, another one, another one, thinking that you might like this artist. If you like them, you might like this. And they got your algorithm built up so they got your flavor of music and they keep sending you CD after CD after CD for 30 bucks a pop. And next thing you know, your credit is ruined because you subscribed to those 12 CDs for one penny. You thought you're getting a great deal and then it ended up being not so much. Unsubscribing from the BMG Music Club was one of the greatest things I ever did in college. It's the first time I really unsubscribed from something because I didn't realize what what was gonna come along with what seemed to be a great deal. Today I wanna talk about unsubscribing from a works-based relationship with God. Because on the surface, a works-based relationship with God looks really good. It looks powerful. 
It looks great to people. You can keep up appearances and, and you can rest on the laurels of all the things I've done for the kingdom of God. You can use it to build yourself up, to make a name for yourself, and people will look at you like, wow, you're really spiritual. And what you don't understand is when that becomes your relationship with God, here's what comes along with it. When you walk through a fiery trial, when you walk through a down moment of life, when you're in a place where a doctor gives you news that you weren't expecting, when your spouse comes to you and says stuff like, we need to talk, when those moments happen, your works-based relationship with God will leave you in a place where you feel like, because I'm walking through a trial, now God owes me something. I did this for you, God. You have to do this for me. That's a problem. When you walk through the dark moments of life and your entire relationship with God is built upon what you've done and not who he is, you're gonna find that moment really lonely. You see, what you know when you walk through a difficult moment in life will not comfort you like who you know. And the hope of this message is that wherever you are in your relationship with God, that you would fall deeply and passionately in love with him, that you would love him more today than you ever did yesterday, and that your relationship with him would begin to grow and to mature, where it's not about what you know, but about who you know. You still with me? So in Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul comes to a place where he writes some of the most powerful words in the New Testament. He gives us uh, the purpose of his life. He gives us the mission statement of what he's all about. And I want you to make sure that you, that you, that you know this because this is extremely important that you don't just read the words on the page, but you understand where he was when he wrote this. And let me just tell you, he's not sitting in a palace. He's not sitting in his home. He's not even on the mission field. Brother is in prison. He is on lockdown. And in that moment, he has time to think and to process and to come to the conclusion of what his life is all about and give us some of the most powerful principles of what to do when we're in the middle of the horrible parts of life. You know, Shakespeare himself says, to thine own self be true. And I want us to take a moment to make sure that we're honest with ourselves about what our relationship with God really looks like today. Can we honestly say that I love him more today than yesterday? Can we honestly say that what I'm doing today is wanting to know him better, that I'm passionately in love with him, that everything I do is out of an overflow of my love for him? Or if we're gonna be honest, can we say stuff like, you know what, there was a time in my life where I was really on fire for God and I kind of just have coasted on that for the rest of my life <laughs> because many of us do that. We come to a place where we're like, man, I, I was really on fire then and I'm really hoping that that was enough to make God love me. <laughs> So that when I walk through a difficult moment, I can say, hey, God, remember when I did that for you? You better heal me. You better do this for me. You owe me. I want to encourage you to fall deeper in love with Jesus than you've ever been in your life. And to unsubscribe to this idea that God loves you based upon what you've done for him. Let's reverse this in our minds and get to a place where, Lord, I do this for you because I love you. Not to make you love me more. So you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And my hope for you today is that you would fall passionately and deeply in love with Jesus, that you wouldn't just know about him, but that you would know him. The Apostle Paul echoes this in Philippians chapter three as he's sitting in a cold, damp prison. And by the way, this is not prison like some of us have been to. And I say some of us loosely. 
He writes this from a hole in the ground. Look at this in Philippians chapter 3. I want to pick this up in verse 7. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And I want you to take in the, the weight of those words. He's saying everything else that people think is important with their life, I consider that loss. Why? I want to know him. I want to know him. That's the purpose and the point of my existence, to know him and to make him known, and nothing else matters. Everything else pales in comparison. I just want to know Jesus. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And think about this for a moment, that the Apostle Paul at one point in his life would be that, it would be that, that kind of life where everybody looks at and tells their kids, you guys ought to be more like him. He's got this relationship with God worked out. Have you seen the things that he's done? Have you seen the knowledge that he has? He's one of those examples in society of the kind of person that the rest of us want to be like. And the Apostle Paul, as he's sitting in prison, says, nobody wants to be like me now. This is not where you're going to tell your kids you want to end up. I'm telling you, I'm right in the middle of the will of God. And I found that I just want to know him. And I don't care what you think about me. I've got to know him. And I've got to make him known. It's the most important part of my life. What a powerful concept that in the middle of a hole in the ground stuck in prison, that he can say this about my life. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And I don't care what anybody else, it, it, what their opinion of me is. I don't care. I, I want to know him. I just want to know Jesus. And I want to make him known. Nothing else matters but that one thing. He goes on to say this. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, and I've not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, my heritage doesn't matter to me anymore. I consider that garbage. My lineage, my self-righteousness, all the things that I've done, my zeal, none of it matters. I consider it garbage for the sake of the worth of just knowing him. Because in him I find my purpose. This is what I was made for, not to impress you, but to fall deeper in love with him. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you find yourself in your walk with Christ, there is always more. I want us to unsubscribe from a relationship with God that's based upon what we know and gets back to the most important thing, which is who we know. He goes on to say this, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said, this is the purpose of my life. This is the point of my existence. You may look at me and see me in prison and say, man, that life really went off the rails, didn't it? And I'll say, I've never been in a place that's better. He says, I want to know him. And if that means suffering, bring it. If that means being like him in his death, that's what I want. I don't know many people that would say, hey, that's great, Paul. Are you, you okay, boo-boo? <laughs> you all right? I don't think your life is working out too well. He's like, maybe not to you, but this is the reason I was made, and I don't care. 
We unsubscribe from this works-based relationship with God. In East Texas, we refer to this as a religious spirit. So our walk with God is based upon what we know, the traditions of men, how we do it, how we think, what we believe God wants. And we fall out of this place where we just hunger for the awesome power of his presence. You know, I was confronted one time uh, when we were, we were thinking about what we want in a church and what we feel like a church ought to be. You know, we get to this place where if you're raised in church and you, and you ever get the chance to start your own church, you're like, yeah, I'm going to make a church like this. And we're not going to do it like that. We're going to do this and this and this. These are the best things, the right things. This is what I like. And by the way, this is how most churches start. It's a group of people that will splinter off because of things that they don't like about these people. Not, not you. And of course, not you. You've never done that. <laughs> this is what happens. And in those moments, I got confronted with one thing. And, and, and someone asked me this, when did seeing a person accept Jesus Christ into their heart for the very first time, watching them go from death to life, from darkness to light, watching them go from, from works to salvation and grace through faith, when did that become not enough for you? When did you lose the power, the wonder of that moment where the light bulb comes on and somebody's life changes? where you see grace cover their sins and they become a new creation in Christ. When did that become not enough for you? You see, that's when we lose the, the power of, of, of the wonder and awesomeness of that moment, we start working into this works-based relationship where it's all about what we know. And we forget about the joy that comes from who we know, that childlike faith. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself says, unless you become like a little child, you're not gonna see the kingdom of heaven. See, in the very beginning of time, God placed one man and one woman inside of the perfect Garden of Eden. He says, you can eat from any tree that you want. But there are two trees that you gotta be careful of. One is the tree of life, which is good to eat from. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this one I want you to stay away from. This one is all about what you know. He says, choose life. This one is good. This one you stay away from. I don't know about you, but we can look back at Eve and we can look back at old Grandpa Adam and say, you screwed it up for the rest of us. We got to work now. We could have had a vacation. Our lives could have been amazing. Now we've got stuff like stickers in our yard. Thanks a lot. <laughs> got jobs that we don't like. Thank you, Meemaw. Appreciate that. Good job. But you would have messed it up too. You would have messed it up too because you're just like her and you're just like him. We all have a part of us that looks at things that we shouldn't do and you're like mm. surely God wants me to have that <laughs> God said from the very beginning I don't want your relationship with me based upon what you know because as soon as they partake of this forbidden fruit shame and condemnation enter the world and God looks for man and says where are you why are you hiding from me where'd you go See, it pulls us away from our relationship with God. When we stop talking to him and falling passionately in love with him, hearing his heart and his voice, experiencing him on a personal level, and we get to this place where our relationship with him is based upon works and what we know. The Apostle Paul looks at this and says, you know what, I, I subscribed to that my whole life, and people told me how awesome I was. But when I fell in love with Jesus, I realized that none of this matters. 
I just want to know him and want to make him known. I want us to come back as a church to a place of the simple truth of just falling in love with Jesus and trusting in his goodness, hearing his heart, and walking in his will, and letting that be enough for me. You still with me? So how do we get to a place where we can unsubscribe from a works-based relationship with God. I think we have to change the way that we think. We have to change the way that, uh, that, that we feel. We have to change the things that we're allowing our mind to dwell on. And I wanna give us some things that will help us according to what the Apostle Paul says here in Philippians chapter three. It shows us this, that number one, we have to see that who, are we, who we're becoming like, it's more valuable than what we're walking away from. Who we're becoming like is more valuable than what we're walking away from. From He says, I consider those things that I'm walking away from, I consider them garbage. Why? So I can become more like Christ. That has more value to me than what people think. You know, it's difficult to experience joy in this season when last season holds greater value. Now, I do not want to take away from what happened last season. I certainly don't want you to experience anything less than God's best in this season because you're busy looking at what God used to do and saying, man, it was better then. What about what God is doing today? What about what he's saying today? What about what he has for you today and for your children and for your grandchildren? See, we have to see who we're becoming has more value than what we're walking away from. Romans 8 says, for those whom he, he being God, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means that God looked before you were even born, before you were a thought, before you were a wish. God says, I have a plan for you. And that plan is to conform you from who you are into the image of my son. I want you to become like Christ. That's your destiny. That's your purpose. That's the hope for you. God foreknew and predestined that you would become more like Christ. And unfortunately, many people have, have done what I've done, and you will fight him every step of the way. Just me? Is that just me? No. Let's be honest. Let's be honest in God's house. This is the one place you can't lie. I'm like, try me. Yes, I can. <laughs> it's okay. In order to become more like Christ, we have to see that that holds more value, than, more value than what we're walking away from. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We have to see that knowing Christ is the goal, not making a name for ourselves. Otherwise, if, you're, if, you're, if your relationship with God is based upon making a name for yourself, then you're gonna get really, really upset the first time you do something for the kingdom of God and nobody says thank you. Not you, I mean, people, people in third service, they do that. We don't do that. I'm preaching to them. I'm, pre I'm preaching to the, pe the heathens watching online because the rest of us don't do that. But this is what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll do something for the kingdom of God and nobody notices. We're like, what did I do that for? No one even said thank you to me. Don't they know that I took time out of my schedule? I'm busy to do this for God. They didn't even appreciate me. Okay, let me, let me make sure that if that's your attitude... Hear, hear from me as your pastor for whatever that you've done for the kingdom of God. Thank you. We are so grateful for what you did. We could not have existed without you. And I, on behalf of all Christians, 
on the face of the earth that have ever existed on behalf of Jesus Christ himself saying, thank you. We're so grateful. So grateful. <laughs> so now you've been thanked. You've been thanked. Okay, you got it. Does it really make you feel better? Here's, here's the thing. Paul's like, I don't care. I don't care. Most important part of my life is just knowing him. And I don't care if people think that I deserve some gratitude for it. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. His opinion of me holds more value than what people might think of my life. We have to see that knowing Christ, that's my goal and making him known. Not making a name for myself. See, I, I, I wanna know Jesus and I don't care if people know me. I care do they know Jesus. Because when you stand before the Lord at the end of your life, and you're gonna do that at some point, you can't tell them, Pastor Tim was my pastor. You know him. Because it's not gonna matter if you know me. It's gonna matter, does he know you and do you know him? Jesus says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, look what we did. Look at our works. He's gonna say, depart from me. I don't know you. You did things that you thought made me love you, but you never knew me. I want us to get back to a place where we've unsubscribed from a religious spirit, and it's not about our works, but it's about who we know and who we're passionately in love with. Can we do that together? Yes. You see, some of us, I believe, if, if, we're, if we're to be honest, uh, we have, there's a lot of great works in this room. There are some people that have been serving God every day of their life, and you've got 75 years of mission, and you're 76 years old. I spent 75 years doing this thing. Hey, that's wonderful. You have many, many great works. There is a crown stored up for you in heaven for the things that you've done for the kingdom of God. But if those were done for you, then do they matter? For others of us in this place, we say, I've been walking with God for five minutes. I've got no works. I don't even know what works are. <laughs> I got nothing. And there's other of us, others, others of us that would say, uh, that great works thing, that does not describe me. Um, the no works thing, probably not. I'm more on the other side of a lot of bad works. <laughs> I've probably pulled more people out of heaven <laughs> than I've ever put into heaven. I've done a lot of encouraging people to do the wrong things. Like, of course not you. That's people in third service. That's, that's not us, right? <laughs> We're like, if I'm gonna stack up my work, I'm probably on the other side of that. I've, uh, I've, I've, sold a lot of, I've sowed a lot of wild oats and prayed for a crop failure on Sunday morning. Some of you will get that later. Okay, bad works, no works, good works. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, none of it matters. And when you know Jesus, none of it matters. Our greatest days, our greatest victories, our worst days and our most horrible losses. If you don't know Jesus, you've missed the point. Apostle Paul says, this one thing I do. My life comes down to this one thing. This is the purpose, the point of my existence. This is the reason why God made me. I think each of us inside of us has, has a hope that we will find the purpose that God has put us on this, life, on this planet for, the reason why he gave us life. We want the, the purpose. What is, what is my purpose? That's, that's hardwired in each of us. The Apostle Paul says this, I found my, my one thing. I'm gonna bring this to you and, and test you with this. To discover that one thing I have to let go of all the things. This is a problem for us because many of us would like to hear God's purpose for our life and then decide whether or not we want to do it. Is that just me? No? 
like, Lord, show me my purpose, show me my plan, and then, mm, that looks a lot like humility and service. Mm, no thanks. I, I think I'll, I'll make some money. <laughs> that sounds better. Paul says, look, I, I've discovered this one thing, that nothing I've done in my life that people think matters, matters if I don't know him. There's a surpassing worth of just knowing Jesus and falling passionately in love with him. And it makes me not care about anything else. You still with me today? This okay? So to discover the one thing, I have to be willing to let go of all the things. And here's number four. We have to resist spiritual contentment. Spiritual contentment. And this is, uh, this is the point that I bring today. This is the, the word of the Lord that I'm bringing to you today because this is the spirit that grips us as Christians. This is the problem that we have where we find ourselves plateauing in our relationship and our love with God. We get content because we did a couple of things. We served for a few services. We gave a little bit of money. We may have gone on a mission trip. And then we get content. We start coasting. I'm here to tell you today that you have to resist the natural gravitational pull to spiritual contentment. It's a problem for us. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 3, through the, through the prophet John, God's speaking prophetically to the churches. And he speaks to the church in Laodicea. And it's really, really easy as we read what he's saying here. Uh, it's easy for us to point a finger at them and like, man, you guys got major problems. And to miss that he's, he's talking to us. And he says this in Revelation 3. He says, I know your, somebody say the next word, your works. I know your works. I know the things that you've done. And he says, your heart's not really in it. As a matter of fact, you're not hot and you ain't cold. You become, you become this place where you're spiritually content because of your works. And he says, I would that you were either cold or hot. I'd rather you be either on fire, all in, all out. He says, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm here to stir your faith today, to stir your passion for the kingdom of God, to stir you back up to a love for the Lord. Because I believe that God's heart for you is that you would know him in three ways. Uh, number one, that you would know him personally. Personally. Not know about him, but know him personally. See, many of us have celebrities that you know all about but do they know you? Probably not. Like, well, he saw me one time. He smiled at me. Like, he don't know you. I bought a ticket to a game and cheered him on. That doesn't mean that he knows you. You could tell me all the stats of LeBron James and give me your argument for why he's better than Michael Jordan. I'll still say you're wrong. Amen. Come on. He don't know you. And I'm afraid that we're getting to a place where we know a lot about God, but you don't know him. You don't know him personally. And I want you to know today that God himself wants to speak to you. He still speaks, but if you're not reading his love letter to you, you're not hearing him. It sounds like his word. Spending time with him, hearing his heart, recognizing his voice, being obedient to what his will is for your life. That's how you know him personally. If you don't know Jesus personally, guess what? Today is your day. 
He wants to know you personally, and I hope that you want to know him personally. Here's the second thing God wants for you. He wants to know you passionately, and you need to know him passionately to put your whole heart in it. I wonder how many of us would say, my relationship with God is an all-in relationship with him. And I don't care if where I'm going is agreeable to the people that think that my life needs to go a certain direction. If that's not where God says, then I don't care. I want to know him. I want to make him known. That's the purpose of my existence. And my relationship with him is a passionate one. God wants to know you personally and wants you to know him personally. It also needs to be a passionate relationship with him. He wants to know you passionately. He has a passionate love for you. My question is, how's your passion for him? And the third is I want to know God progressively. I want to be able to say like the old songs that, that my grandparents used to sing, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. You remember that? What about the old song, just a closer walk with thee? What about the song that says, morning by morning, new mercies I see? Do you remember those? There's something that a generation before tapped into where they realized the importance of knowing Jesus progressively. And I wonder how many of us would say, I am more in love with Jesus today than I was yesterday. I'm more on fire for him than I've ever been in my entire life. The question is, what if we could say that tomorrow and the day after that? that He has gotten sweeter and sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. You see, when years like 2020 happen and when you're bombarded with news and with fear and anxiety and stress and all kinds of things to worry about, the first thing that seems to go is our passion for the things of the Lord because it's replaced by fear, constantly bombarded with fear. And I'm not even here to tell you that some of those aren't real. Some of those are very, very real things. You could be afraid and you could get lost in the fear. And if you don't have a passionate, progressive relationship with the Lord, you're going to find yourself in a place where you can't get out of that fear. Because your, work, your, 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 your knowledge of God is based upon that knowledge. You know a lot about him, but you're not really hearing him. You don't hear the voice that's, that's saying, this is the way, walk in it. Come on, walk towards me. I know it's scary, but listen to my voice. Come on, you know my word. What does my word say? My word says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, hear my voice. Keep walking. Don't stay there. Don't stay stuck. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. If you don't have a personal, passionate, progressive relationship with him, then when you're in a place like the Apostle Paul finds himself, you're going to get stuck there. Paul's not stuck. He said, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And never before in my life have I been more passionately in love with Jesus. Never before in my life have I been more perfectly in the middle of his will. And my hope is that you would find the same. You wouldn't feel sorry for me because I'm in prison. You wouldn't feel sorry for me that I'm making these decisions that seem completely preposterous to the rest of the world. But you see that in the middle of all this, man, I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. That's the hope. Let me, hear the, let me make sure that you hear this. Life gets hard. And every life will have moments where you are paralyzed with fear. Every life will have moments where you are stuck and it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's painful, and it's dark. You're going to have those moments. And if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, 
if you don't have a passionate love for him, if you're not knowing him progressively, if you're not continuing to pour yourself into him, hearing him, you're going to get stuck. You get stuck in this loop. And it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And you think in those moments, God, you abandoned me. You left me. Where are you? I paid my tithes. You're supposed to have delivered me. You let me down. And we start listening to the voice of our fears and our doubts. We start taking steps back from the Lord because everything that our relationship with God was built on was works and knowledge. Am I just speaking to myself today? I'm here to encourage you that the reason that we exist is to know him personally, passionately, and progressively. And if we were going to be honest in God's house today, where would you say your relationship with God is? For some of us, you do not have a personal relationship with God, and today is your day. I'm going to show you how to get that. For others of us in this place, if we're going to be honest, we'd say, man, my passion has waned. I've gotten stuck in a place or I've gotten so consumed by the things that are happening around here. And I'm just telling you, it's normal. It's normal. It's the spirit of the age. It's happening everywhere. But our passion for the things of the Lord has had to be put on a back burner because we're just in survival mode, right? It doesn't have to be that way. As a matter of fact, some of the worst prison moments that the Apostle Paul had pushed him deeper into Christ. And this is where we find that progressive relationship with God that he's calling each of us to have. A progressive relationship where he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Where you hear his voice clearer and more fully. Where you're knowing him and you're making him known. Where they can't stop the gospel even if you're stuck in prison. I love what Paul says. Nevertheless, the gospel gets preached. Why? Because every 12 hours they put a new Roman soldier and they chain him up next to me and I get to preach to somebody else and he's stuck and he can't leave. And I found my purpose. I still get to preach the good news of Christ to somebody that needs it. I've got a captive audience. You thought you put the gospel in chains? Keep bringing me fresh meat. <laughs> I love that. Where's your walk with God, my friend? Where is it? Let me just remind you that he is passionately in love with you. And there is so much more to God than what you've experienced. Doesn't matter if you've been walking with Christ for five minutes or for 50 years, there's always more. And if you're not dead, you're not done. If you're still breathing, then there are still more things about God that he wants you to experience. Not so that you can know more about him, but you can know him. I love what Paul says. I consider everything loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and taking hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. How many of us would say that our walk with Christ is closer than it's ever been? That it's hotter, it's more passionate than it's ever been before? Because if we're going to be honest today, I believe that it can be. He hasn't changed. I love that at the end of Revelations chapter 3, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you answer it, I'll come in. I'll dine with you. You'll dine with me. I believe the Lord is standing at the door of our hearts saying, where'd you go? Where are you? You know a lot about me, but you shut me outside because you wanted to be next to all your fears. 
your anxieties, your stresses and worries and trying to solve the issues on your own, why don't you open the door? I'm here to help you do that today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to talk to anybody in this place today who finds themselves with a passion that has gone from a roaring flame down to maybe just a single flicker. And I want you to be honest with me today about where you are. I believe that God is calling you deeper, calling you to a passionate relationship with him, calling you back to a place where you realize that he has gotten sweeter and sweeter as the days have gone by. How's your walk with Christ? I want to remind you that he hasn't moved and he's just a prayer away. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want to invite you just to submit to him right now. and Say, Lord, I want to know you more. I don't just want my head filled with facts about you. I want to know you. I want to hear your heart. And Father, if there are things in my life that have taken me out of your presence and out of your will, out of your favor and out of your blessing, Lord, if my disobedience has done that, then Lord, I repent. I repent. Father, we ask forgiveness for basing our relationship with you upon our works. Lord, you forgive us. Forgive us for thinking for a single moment that you owe us anything. Lord, you've already done enough. And whether we find ourselves at the top of the mountain or in the belly of a whale, Lord, you're there. And your word tells us that you're a good shepherd. That you lead us. That you guide us. You're calling us deeper. Calling us into a place of trust. Calling us to know you. Father, I pray that that would be enough for us. That we'd realize the surpassing worth of just knowing you. Lord, I pray for my friends that have gotten into a place where the voice of fear has become so loud that it's difficult to hear your voice calling us deeper, screaming at us, telling us how much you love us, how to trust your goodness. Lord, we trust you today. Forgive us, God. We want to know you better. We want to know you more. We want to fall passionately in love with you once again. Rekindle our hearts. Bring us closer. In Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if you don't know Jesus personally, then this is your moment. Right where you are, and if you're watching online, I want to give you a chance to be honest with yourself. Do you know for sure that there is a moment in your life where you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins? Because if there's not a moment that pops into your mind where you know that that happened then this is gonna be your moment. I wanna help you just like someone helped me. I want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? I wanna help you do it by leading you in a prayer. So you can repeat this prayer after, after me. You can do it out loud. You can do it in your heart. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you believe it. So if that's you and you want a personal relationship with Jesus, then say this prayer. It goes this way. Say, Jesus I believe you are the son of God. 
I believe that you came and died for me. I believe that you rose again for me to give me life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Will you forgive me? Would you come into my heart to be my boss and my savior? And I say this, my friend, say, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I give it to you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer with me, I'm so proud of you. Would you just lift up your hand all over this place? So that was me, Pastor. I prayed with you. That was me. Good. Good. Anybody else? If you're watching online, I am so proud of you. Good for you. I'm believing that God has a special plan for you. And this is not the end of your walk with Jesus. This is just the beginning. We want to show you what to do next. So if that was you and you just prayed that prayer with me, do me a favor, if you would. Would you text me? Text the words, I prayed, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D, to the number that's appearing on your screen, 844-HRC-TEXT. 844-HRC-TEXT. What's going to happen in that moment is you have just subscribed to something that will help you, that will bless you. I'm going to send you some free gifts that will help you to understand what just happened inside of your heart and what to do next. It would be our great joy to walk you through this process and introduce you to Jesus and show you how good he can be. I'm proud of you. Good for you. Howard's family, would you guys go ahead and look up at me from where you are, then go ahead and stand to your feet. It's been such a privilege and honor to bring the word of God for you here today. And I'm praying that God is gonna continue to just get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. I believe that you're gonna have an amazing week following after God, hearing his voice and allowing him to lead you into who you've been called to be. I've got our elders and their wives that are gonna make their way forward to make sure that you don't have to leave this place without getting prayed for. If you need prayer and you're watching online, would you just type in your prayer request and say, hey, that's me, I need some prayer. We're dealing with X, Y, or Z, whatever it may be. I want you to know that we have people that are gonna be praying for you. We still believe at this place that God hears our prayers. Otherwise, what are we doing, right? He cares about our needs. And I wanna remind you, God cares for your needs. He cares about you. He cares about your family. He wants to help you. The Bible is very clear in James chapter five. It says, if you're sick, you should call upon the elders of the church and let them lay hands over you and pray over you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. I believe that we can take that literally. I believe when God says when you're sick that the elders ought to pray over you, that they ought to anoint you with oil, that they ought to lay their hands on you. That's not because we just like to put hands on people. It's scriptural. His word tells us to do that. We believe in God's word. We take it as truth. And so if you're sick today, we want you to know that we are praying for you. Let us know what you're, what you're needing prayer for. We would be happy to pray for you. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, I pray that you'd bless my friends with an incredible week following after you, hearing your voice, finding their passion ignited for you once again. For everyone watching online as well, God, I pray that you'd bless them, strengthen them, give them health and healing and hope in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week.